So this week on the podcast, we have the fantastic Dr. Nikki Ramskull. Now, Dr. Nikki is going to talk about money mindset, as she is known as the female money doctor, has her own YouTube channel, appears online on Channel 4, Money On My Mind, which is a new online series helping people understand their spending habits. So if you want to know how to stop spending money on all the shit and save and invest and change your money mindset, then listen in and it'll be a great podcast for you. Welcome to a whole load of property, business, and mindset, a podcast bringing together like-minded people who have an interest in all things business, property investing, and personal development, no matter what stage of your journey you're at. And now, here's your host, Dan Cooper. Hiya, um, Dr. Nikki Ramskill. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, you know, today's episode, there's plenty of things that we can talk about. Um, but first and foremost, why don't you sort of give a, an introduction to yourself? Thanks. I mean, it's, yeah, it's great to be here. So I'm Dr. Nikki. I am both a medical doctor and a money coach. So I literally have been a doctor now since 2009. <laughs> I was going to give away my age. Um, and I trained as a GP um, relatively recently, only in the, in the last sort of five, seven years. And I had been a medical doctor before then in obstetrics and gynecology, which is all about women's health. And if you've ever read the book, um, This Is Going To Hurt by Adam Kay, you'll know a little bit about the sorts of stuff that I used to do and why it basically made me not want to do it anymore. So I had a couple of years out um, and was just completely burnt out from the whole thing, being working in the NHS and took some time to work on what I wanted. So I went traveling, spent five months, you know, going around lots of different countries I've always wanted to go and see and had this horrible moment where I could just see my money going down and down and down and down and loads of debt piling up because I basically didn't save enough. I'd done something really stupid in that I decided to buy half a flat in London. So, you know, the part by part rent type things. So I still had to pay the mortgage on that and the rent and the bills and everything else, as well as not having any money coming in for five months. So it kind of hit me like a train, like you got to do something about this. So when I got back, into the UK again I spent a couple of years just basically working on myself working on personal development money mindset how to get out of debt I was in six figures at six figures five figures worth of debt so I was in 60 60 thousand pounds was my worst debt back then um a significant amount of debt isn't it a lot a lot of debt and um yeah so I basically spent time working on that and then when I came back into training again to train as a GP I couldn't then unsee all the money problems going on in the patients, my colleagues, people around me. So I started blogging about my experiences. I blogged about emotional spending and what I was learning around that and blogging about investing for the first time and how I was paying off my debt. And it then kind of just grew from there. And somebody said, oh, you know, because you're a doctor and GP, you know, why don't you become a money coach? I didn't even know what a money coach was. It's like being a personal trainer, but for money, right? So yeah, that's what I ended up doing. It was it was great, and and now haven't looked back. I absolutely love it. Wouldn't do anything different. Brilliant. Well, um, very well accredited. Um, you know, it's not uh, it's not an easy slog, is it? Becoming a doc- not that I know. Obviously, I'm not speaking from experience, but no. <laughs> many years um, training, obviously to to be a GP yeah. role. So um, hats off to you as well for working in the NHS. You know, you always you. hear about the problems. <laughs> it understaffed and overworked. Um, 
and, and I'm sure that you could probably agree with that. Oh, absolutely. And it's anybody that's listening to this that's in the NHS, I completely and utterly understand where you're coming from. And it's horrible at the moment, um, particularly for GPs. And we seem to be getting like the brunt of everything. I don't know what's going on. Um, But yeah, it was always my intention to have a side business. When I got back from my trip, I knew that I wanted to do something else outside of medicine. And this is, yeah, this is what I chose to do. So perfect. So take us back then before you became a doctor. Um, and I always I always like to delve into uh, people's history, their past, their, their childhood, because, sure. you know, they're the formative years that, that shape people. Um, mm. You know, what sort of led you to, to go into the medic- medicinal route? Um, to, to study medicine, to become a doctor? Was there anything that you think from a young age shaped that? Um, was it was it pushed upon you or was it something that oh. you felt passionate about? Because there, there's a this... theme, uh, sorry, sorry to bite, there's no, a theme fine, no, um, obviously uh, in, in gyno and obstetrics as well as empowering women and helping women, there's obviously, is there sub, something subconsciously as, as, as sort of, um, driven you to, 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 to help women? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Um, I get this question a lot and I didn't initially want to be a doctor I wanted to be a teacher so I wanted to um, help other people educate them I wanted to be like my nana and and she was a primary school teacher Um, I thought that was the direction I was going in and then one of my teachers when I was 14 15 basically said no you're you're too clever to be a, um, a teacher you need to be a doctor and it never, I mean, that one, that's quite, you know, disparaging anyway for teachers, but she was a teacher herself. So I think she knew where she was coming from. But I, I hadn't ever, ever thought about medicine until that point. Um, my nana died when I was six, and so did my granddad. And my dad died when he was 57. So I was, that was what, three years ago now. And I think a lot of those early deaths have shaped the way that I am with money and how I do things in life. Like I'm very much a FOMO kind of person. Um, I'll jump at things. I'll go into things really quickly. It's part of my money personality. That's that's what I do. And the, the women angle, I think, has just come from a background of being taught that from my mom that women can do anything. We can do anything. We can be part of anything. We can help in the world how we want and we can show up how we want and yeah that's kind of shaped how things are for me now thank you for sharing that it's, it's like i say it's always very interesting to understand the motivating factors for why mm. people do what they do and i just want to pick on the uh, pick up the fact that you, you mentioned the teachers then um you know this is probably that something is is overlooked but i think teachers could shape kids in so many ways um you know i didn't go through the medicinal route but Early, early doors the teachers are you know you're intelligent I wouldn't go to just a state school go to go to grammar school please go do this test mm. um, and then whilst I was in grammar school a teacher sat me down and literally said if you don't buck your ideas up you're going to fuck your life up and it was just <laughs> that one conversation I weren't no I just used to be like class clown and that like I was intelligent <laughs> but I, I used to get bored and, and just sort of like disrupt um, and he just said look you, you know you've got more potential than that and it was the fact that just the teachers saying them words sort of changed my mindset and obviously you know, that teacher just saying that one thing sparked a whole new um, new ambition in you, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't... Looking back now, I think it was a lot of it was ego-driven. A lot of it was, oh, my teacher thinks I'm good at this and I'm good at science and I'm good at the human body stuff. And yeah, maybe I could do this. 
Um, <clears throat> but the problem with choosing a career path based on ego and what people think you're good at doesn't necessarily shape out to how you want it to be as an adult. So the reality of like watching ER and stuff like that compared to what the NHS is actually like, it's completely different. And I grew up watching like shows like ER. I mean, if you're, if you've got a young audience, they might not know what that is, but that was a big program back in back in the day so that I thought that's what my life was going to be like I thought it was going to be really exciting and I thought it was going to be this this amazing career but no it wasn't it wasn't suited for me so you have to really think about well what do you want out of your life before you make decisions at such a young age like 16 is a very young age to make yeah, that definitely. choice yeah and do you regret it no I don't regret it um, it's taught me a lot. It's taught me a lot about people, confidence, um, you know, vocabulary, all sorts of stuff. I mean, I went to a state school. I didn't go to a grammar school. I didn't get the grades. It's like I wasn't intelligent enough to get the grades. I didn't know how to do it. No one taught me how to do the test. So I went to state school and I didn't massively enjoy it. I mean, I was picked on a lot because I was one of the clever kids that actually did my work. Um by comparison to other girls but um yeah and then when I got to medical school I think a lot of people were, were quite surprised at medical school that a girl from a state background had actually managed to make it because a lot of kids there were grammar school educated private school educated but I think it's now changing and they want people from all different backgrounds so I don't regret it it's shaped me who I am and yeah I've learned loads from it so yeah brilliant and do you think um being in that environment and similar to yourself so I went to a grammar school but I was from a council estate a lot of the kids had you know rich parents brand new cars yeah. do you think being in that environment and the reason I'm picking on it like if you ever listen to Stephen Bartlett's um stuff or, or Richard Branson you know they was always say the odd one out you know yeah. um whether they were picked on do you think that has shaped who you are today the fact that you want to help other people and you want to be there to support other people yeah I, I have always been the odd one out or always been the odd one out and my mum taught me that that wasn't a bad thing whereas at school you want to fit in don't you, you want to be part of the the in crowd and I'm glad that I didn't fit in because I don't think I would have um pursued what I've done if if I had been somebody that ran with what everybody else did so yeah I think it has shaped a lot of what I do now and and again my money personality the personality type that I have is definitely one of those they don't want to run with the crowd so I I get why I'm like this perfect so I just want to delve in a bit more on, on the mindset thing so on this podcast yeah. we talk about um, property business mindset um you know we touched on your property experience in a moment because I think that'd be quite interesting um mm. but money mindset um let's let's talk about money mindset what is, what is money mindset and you've touched on the uh, the money personality types Mm -hmm. you know, how, how many types are there and what do you think the overall consensus within the UK population is and their views on money because growing up I was always told you know um, get nine to five work hard save buy house and you know the, the let's say the traditional way what what's the overall sort of consensus in the UK and is that is it shifting the mindset shifting around money or is it traditional mm. so Money, per, money mindset is basically the way we think about money. So our behaviours, everything we do with money comes back to mindset. And if you have got a mindset that believes that there isn't enough, 
you're never going to have enough. You need to have a secure job. You need to make sure that you have, you know, you earn well. And one day you might be able to retire. You're going to have a particular outcome, a particular set of behaviors. If you believe that money's everywhere, there's abundance, there's no scarcity, you can always make more money. There are non-traditional ways that you can go forward with life. You know, you don't have to follow what everybody else is doing and you can retire at whatever age you want. You'll have a different outcome. You'll have a different set of beliefs and behaviors. So a lot of it is shaped when we are kids, right? So before the age of seven, a lot of our mindset is taught to us by other people. We're not born in a particular way. We are learned. It's a learned behavior. So if you've got parents that are really strict with money, um, you might go the opposite, which is, I think, probably what happened to me. You might have people who are very frivolous with money and your parents never had any and they're always you know, just going out partying. You might be the opposite because you think, actually, I don't want to be, ever, ever be like that. You might have picked up one person that looked after you and it might not be a parent. It might be a grandparent and the way they were with money. So it, everything we do is all shaped around it. And any little traumas we have, any little um, events that happen, like losing money or getting scammed out of money or whatever, can all shape what happens next. And I think in the UK population, there's still this, this big thing about home ownership. There's still this big thing about get a good job, have the nine to five you know, live your life that way. I don't, you get a small subsection of the population. Like I'm pretty certain the people that listen to you are, gonna, are not going to be of that mindset. They'll have parents, they'll have friends, whatever that have got that mindset, but entrepreneurs, people that want to get into property don't tend to think like that. And it can be hard <laughs> to actually build a business, do anything when you've got people around you that don't believe yeah. any of those things. So um, yeah, I think Generally, in the UK, people still aren't in that in that space. It's getting there. A lot of the younger generations, a lot of the millennial generations, like my I'm millennial generation, like we're approaching forty, and some of us are in our forties. Like we are very much thinking along those lines now. But you know, some of the older generations, perhaps not. It's interesting what you say about um, mindset, and obviously, it's a learned behaviour, and primarily before the age of seven. Um, it's definitely something. You know, I'm just trying to think to me and my siblings, you know, there's four of us and how we are with uh, money. We grew up, we didn't grow up wealthy. Um, mm -hmm. We were told can't afford that, can't afford that. Used to work a few jobs. Um, so for me, I, I, I've mentioned it before, but like in terms of spending money, I'm always like, oh, if I spend that, will there be any return? And I always think, you know, let's say spending 200 quid on a marketing campaign. My mindset is if I spend it, will I get it back? Do you know, there's mm -hmm. always that sort mm -hmm. of... Um, and I need to change that mindset because you've got to speculate to accumulate. You need to spend, et cetera. Um, as long as you mm -hmm. sort of manage it correctly, that's fine. Um, but I would say my mindset shifted, like I said, seeing a lot of wealthy people when I wasn't from a wealthy background. That's what spurred yeah. me on to, to aim for wealth. Um, but no, it's very interesting point what you say there about the learned behavior and the UK population. It's nice to see, I guess, um, a younger generation and population sort of trying to become entrepreneurs. I mean, mm -hmm. It's probably easier now with the tech, tech that's yeah. available, you know, YouTube, podcasts, um, all that sort of stuff. You get 10-year-old kids making £40 million a year just reviewing toys. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so how do you get to that point? Uh, oh, I know. I wish I'd known that. <laughs> yeah. So, so just talk about the money mindset then. What what made you change? I know you went travelling. Um I've been traveling. I, I say that shapes you in, in some way as well. Mm. What was it about going away and traveling that made you really 
switch your mindset and say, right, I've got to get rid of this debt. I've got to clear it and I've got to start, you know, building wealth for the future and helping other people. So I was desperate to travel from the age of 13. It was, I heard a teacher come back from her trip and she'd been away for a year on a sabbatical. I didn't know what that was, but it just sounded amazing. And she was talking about all of her trips to South America and all sorts of things. And I was like, yeah, I want, I want to do that. And I got to 18. I thought, right, this is my chance. I was, I was given a year to go off and do whatever I wanted after you, after finishing school to starting uni. And um, my mum at the time being part of the older generation, no, get a job. You need to start earning money, blah, 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 blah. So I didn't go. And then I got myself into a relationship where it was very controlling and I wanted to go traveling later on when I was at medical school. There was another opportunity that came up. Um, I could have gone to Louisiana and I could have spent three months there learning medicine in America for a little while. And yeah, he said no. So I didn't go. So by the time I got to 30, I was like, I am done. I have been studying, working or whatever the entire time now. I need to stop. So that's when I took my time out. And regardless of, I don't, don't care how much it was going to cost me. I was just going to do it. It was going to happen. Um, so I, um, yeah, when I, when I was away, I think what happened is I had time to think. So I suddenly had all this time. Like when you see all these things on Instagram of traveling and it all looking amazing all the time, it's not like that in real, real life. You might get the odd pockets of amazingness and you see some amazing things, you do some amazing things, but then you'll get times where nothing happens. An entire day might go by and you've spoken to no one or you literally are sitting in the park reading a book all day. So it was in those times where I, it, it made me think, hang on a second, I, I don't have enough money here. I could see I was tracking how much money I had in my account. And it was just going down and down and down. And my credit card was going up and up and up. And that was the point where I went, I got, I got to do something about this. I can't do this. And the first book I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Amazing I don't know book. why. Changes everyone's mindset. Yeah, it was. It, I don't even know. Re, I think it was actually another. In fact, I think there was somebody that I used to go and do training with. It's a personal trainer, and he said you got to read this book. And you know when so, things happen, and it's like I don't know if you believe in the universe or or whatever. When things happen for a reason, I think that happened for a reason for me. So yeah, reading that book changed my life, and literally just couldn't stop reading after that. I literally every money book going. It's crazy that you mentioned that, and so many people. There's probably I would say about 90, 95% of people that read this or you go on all the property forums, um, they always talk about Rich Dad, Poor Dad and how that one book changed their outlook on life. And it was the same one for me. Um, so people listening or watching this on YouTube, if you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, go and get a copy because it yeah. will change your mind. And um, like I said, when I read that, it was like mind blown. Um, and yeah. that's what obviously, you know, there's many ways you can make a different different incomes uh, mine obviously I, I chose property but yeah and I think like you said going traveling yeah is fantastic but you do spend them times alone um, yep. like you say and I think spending times spending time with your own thoughts can be one or two things it can be dangerous depending on yep. your mental resilience and your and your current mental health or extremely powerful um, and I think it could be extremely powerful because like you say it's all of the noise around you is blocked out. So you're not in yeah. a work environment and it gives you sort of a fresh, fresh approach and gives you time to plan really what you want to do. So, um, yeah. okay. So you've had this epiphany. What next? 
So after after that, when I got home, I so okay. So while I was away, I came across a property, a very wealthy property investor online. So and I thought property was going to be where I'd start first, and. I went along to this seminar as soon as I landed, literally, I think within about a week, I was at this property seminar. It cost me a hundred pounds to go. And after an hour, I was like, literally like, oh my God, I love the idea of this. And they were talking about um, no money down strategies and buy to lets and HMO. I'd never even heard of an HMO. My mind was blown. Oh my God, you can take one house and split it up into five. What is that? So I wanted in. Whatever they were offering, I wanted in. So I had um, a sales call with the the woman who um, was fronting it. And she said, well, I might not run this again. And to be honest, I don't think she actually did after I did that, that um, whole year with her. And that hooked me. And with my money personality. Exactly. The money personality type thing of the, I want in on this. I even spoke to my other half and he's, he's probably a bit like you. He's very much a, what's your return on your investment? you know, can you afford it? If you can't afford it, like, don't go for it. Whereas I was like, no, I've got to do this. So I I managed to convince somebody to give me a loan. So I I spoke to, I think it was Zopa and they gave me a loan and um, I paid the money for it. And it was, it was 25 grand. It's a lot of money. A A lot of money. And that is one of the things that I, I really want people to understand is that if you've got the type of personality that will just go for things or you go on an emotion or you're you're desperate to make a change, you might make mistakes like that. So it's always a good idea to run it past someone who's already in property. I didn't speak to anybody that was already in property to ask them if that was a good idea or not. Yeah. So um, I ended up spending money on it. It was a good year. I mean, don't get me wrong. I learned loads about property. Um and at the end of that year became the female money doctor because it inspired me so much that I thought, you know what, I actually could write about my experiences of what's happening. Um, so I, I guess I've got that to thank for it, but that was a lot of money to spend at the time that I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? I, I've, I've spent money on education. Um, some of it, you know, being good. And I always, I think it depends how you look at it. You've looked at it. Yeah. You spent 25 grand, but it's, it's opened your eyes and thought, you know, I want to be the female money doctor. So there's an opportunity that's come out of it. And I think exactly. it's, it's how you look at things. If you look at everything with an open mind and with a positive mindset, then there's always opportunities to come from things. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that do slag off trainers and some rightly so, but I think some people out there also expect I'll spend 20 grand and I'll have a million at the end of the year by doing nothing yeah. and it's all about you know there's so many emotions you have to put in place and stuff but yeah, yeah, yeah. like you say you've you've come off the back of that and you've set up the female money doctor um so female money doctor how do you support people what what is it you're doing what, what you're currently doing with that and um you know what's your plans going forward so i mean i've got loads of free resources there. <laughs> that's the, that's the first thing is that i i love giving value to people um i mean the money personality type quiz that I've got that I'm happy to share is is going to tell you what your money personality type you you asked me a question earlier about how many there were and there are eight so if anyone is interested in finding out what they have got if you've got the FOMO bug like me 
go and do it and find out more about why you do what you do because it affects money business career like literally everything it's really handy for relationships as well um so anyway so that's one of the things that i do give a load of value i've got a podcast money medicine clinic podcast um youtube you know on all the socials then the first thing that i offer people is a physical money planner and I literally have created a planner that I don't have to pack or ship or do anything with. It's a drop shipping, not drop shipping. It's it's like a print on demand service that I offer yeah. people. So literally someone buys it, links up to my um, account and then a book is printed and shipped to them. And that's it. I don't have to have any involvement in that other than marketing it. Um, so that's the first thing I offer people. And it's got like a little mini course that comes with it about educating people around budgeting and that kind of stuff. And then after that, I've got my um, academy. So the Prosperity Plan Academy, and that's like a 12-step process where people learn the basics of organizing their money, getting clear on what they want, getting their mindset straight, altering, transforming their mindset, starting investing in the stock market, and then planning on what they're going to do next. So it's it's like a, a whole encompassing course, if you like, academy for people to learn absolutely everything they need to learn. Um and then obviously I do one-to-one coaching as well. So that's my group coaching program. And then I've got one-to-one stuff, which is all bespoke. So people can just work on whatever it is they want to work on. And that's that's literally it. Well, you say it. I mean, there's there's quite a lot there. And, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I've already got the link for the quiz. So if anyone is interested, I'll post it in the show notes. Likewise, yeah. with regards to your resources and your courses, you know, mm-hmm. like you say about providing value and content. That's what I aim to do as well. So, absolutely, um, you know, I will I will pull it in the show notes if you send all that information across, and then obviously people cool. um, can come and check you out, check your YouTube out, check check these links out because I'm assuming there's probably a lot of people out there that you know might not think they need it, or even if they're just doing it to like say FOMO and and they understand why they do what they do. I think that's quite important yeah. for me. Yeah. My um my biggest spend I would say is is coffee. <laughs> I have yeah. to if I'm in the car I have to always have a hot drink but I like you know go to Costa or sometimes I think well, I'll go to McDonald's it's a quid cheaper <laughs> do you know what I mean Just, yeah but if I cut sorry, out coffee I was gonna say if I cut yeah. out coffee you know it could I think one month I worked out probably like 200 quid on coffees you think that's a lot of money on coffees yeah I mean it's this is the thing there's loads of stuff online about if you cut out avocado on toast, if you cut out Netflix, if you cut out coffees, you can then have the money you need for getting a mortgage. Now, it was released the other day, that article, wasn't it? Because I read that. There was an article yeah, released. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there is an element of truth to that. Like, I get where it comes from. It's not the only thing to get you to that point. But sometimes you have to look at your spending and go, right, what do I actually get value from? Your coffee keeps you going you enjoy it it's something that you want to do if at any point you think i don't enjoy this anymore why the hell am i doing it fine cut it out but i think our budgets need to reflect the lifestyle we want to lead not the other way around okay um but where you have to be realistic about stuff like if you've got a tiny little garden and you've got a gardener coming in to sort it out because you can't be bothered well is that a good use of your resources possibly not if you're trying to do something else it might be but you know everyone's going to be different of course so i think you have to you have to look at your spending and and look at what is important to you and what you're aiming for. And if you've got a goal in mind, do everything you can to get it. Cause if you're not doing everything you can to get it, then do you really want it? Or is yeah. it just something you say you want? Yeah, it's very true. And one of the other questions I had is, do you think the access to money now? So, you know, many years ago, I say many years ago, I don't know, 10, 15 
the availability of of finance so you know mm. things like Klarna nowadays paying free buy mm. now pay laters um do you reckon a lot of this sort of um all of these sort of the or this access to money i say money in inverted commas it's credit isn't it all all the credit lines do you think that's contributing to an increased consumer debt because you know, people want to have all the nicest things right now. And I always discuss this and talk about it. And I am going to do a podcast on it, but talk about mm. instant gratification. Mm. Um, so the generation now want everything now and want to look really good now, as opposed to looking 15, 20, 30 years ahead. Do you think yeah. that sort of plays a part in, in potentially that we, I don't know, are we in uh, consumer debt more now than we ever have been? Yeah, I, I think that plays a, a big part of it. But then who's to say that, people back in the 50s and 40s if they had access to this kind of credit wouldn't do the same thing yeah you know i think it's wisely yeah exactly i mean klarna klarna is an interesting one because i didn't like it initially but after learning more and more about it i can see why people use it and it certainly helps with cash flow people use it as like a try before you buy kind of thing so it's a a way that you can perhaps buy the same outfit in different sizes try them on take them back to the shop and then you haven't got to worry about the payments because or it's not come out. You've got it back in time or you've only got a small amount that you're waiting to come back. You haven't paid for like a huge amount that's come out of your account. So I get that. The problem comes when it's, it's being used as a way to get us to upgrade our shopping. So when, before we might've bought one top, now we can buy five tops because it's small monthly payment that we only have to meet every, you know, a couple of months. So that's the danger and i think that's where the problem comes so if we do these things unconsciously if we've got a money mindset of oh i have to have it right now i can't wait or i you know i have to spend because i've had a bad week or i'm bored these are all things that will feed into that and i think every you have to bring an element of mindfulness to what you do it's the same with mindful eating you know we can easily overeat when we're watching the telly when we're out with friends you don't realize it how much you're, you're drinking and eating it's the same with money, exactly. Very interesting. Uh, very interesting way to look at it. Um, but like, it's one of the things, like you say about Klarna, you know, I think it is good in instances, like you say, the try mm-hmm. before you buy, putting it onto gambling sites, probably not. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's good good and bad. But, um, but like I say, very interesting points. One of the other things I want to talk to you about is, um, like I say, yeah, you have a YouTube channel. Obviously, you provide a lot of great value and content on that. You mentioned that you've got a Channel 4. Is it an online series coming up or you're collaborating uh, with Channel 4? Yeah. Do you know what? I actually came out today. Oh, has I it? Don't re- I did oh. not realise it was coming out. Um, I literally just Fate. got a message before I jumped on this podcast with you saying, oh, yeah, the first episode's out, by the way. <laughs> what? Amazing. Where so, is it? Um, so basically it's it's on Channel 4's YouTube channel and it's it's a series called Money On My Mind. And essentially what we're doing is we're helping um, different people with their money problems. And there's three of us. I'm doing kind of the money mindset stuff. Um, One of the others is um, an IFA and he's sort of talking about the IFA type regulated advice type bits. And then there's another, um, she's uh, online. She's a financial guru online. So we all work together to help each of these people. And it's been so much fun, honestly. And it, it's it's great it's a great experience to do it in this way um and to help people on the fly and try and work out what, what we need to do quickly because it's the each episode's 10 minutes so literally oh, wow. we didn't get a lot of time to 
to really get into what's happening but all of the all the people that we've dealt with so far have all been absolutely amazing so yeah <laughs> that's very interesting I, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch that but um it's fate isn't it it comes out come out live just before the podcast um yeah. so this will go out next week so basically the the episodes will be a week old how often are the episodes coming out on the, on their online platform so that i don't know so i literally just got told the first one's coming out um so i don't know how long that will be out before the next one but there are six in total um so yeah presumably they'll do maybe one a month or one every couple of weeks so watch this space <laughs> uh, who knows it might even uh, go to a full hour episode that'd be interesting on tv do you think there's potential plans for that who knows who knows what comes off the back of things i mean you don't go into business thinking oh i'm going to be on channel four's youtube channel you know you, you kind of you take the opportunities when they come so yeah something might come off the back of this it would be nice if it did um i'd quite like to go on this morning or meet lorraine you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would well, be fun <laughs> yeah good luck i wish you all the best on that and i hope it i hope it Thanks. does uh, something does come to fruition from it i just want to talk about you know sort of the people you help what do you see the biggest sort of issue is with the people you help and can everyone be, I use the word treated. Um, yes. Obviously it's not treated, you know, can everyone have their mindset changed? Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the biggest ones that I see, I see, so accumulators are the ones that are worried about risk. So they're worried about investing their money, spending their money, doing anything with their money, and they'd rather just sit on it and hoard it. So their issue is around learning how to take on risk and be okay with risk. So I teach that in my, you know, in the stuff I do around investing um, to help someone feel more comfortable with that. And once somebody understands what risk is, it really helps. It, you know, so it's so that's one of the issues I see. The other major issue I see is um, the connectors. So connectors are people who put their head in the sand about money. They just ignore it. And when they realize that money is just like, anything else that they do so um or you know speaking to a friend you know everything about your friend you ask them loads of questions about what's going on you're interested in what's happening so if a connector who's very good at that stuff can treat money like a person suddenly it makes sense and i've had a couple of amazing connectors come through my my stuff and they've come out the other side with a you know the knowledge and the interest might still have a little bit of fear around it but know how to manage it and know how to organize it so it doesn't feel quite so scary Perfect. And what do you feel, uh, what's your sort of view on saving and investing? Do you think you should invest everything? Do you think you should have a bit of savings, a bit of investing? I think uh, a bit of everything, a bit of everything. Um, I mean, I've literally just done something online um, about saving and um, investing and paying off debt. <laughs> so um, I think if you can try and do a bit of everything. Um, I read a couple of books when I was first starting out that you had to pay off all your debt before you could invest and it wound me up so much because I thought well hang on a second you're telling me that I need to start investing because I need to take advantage of time and compounding and everything and you're telling me if I've got debt I can't do any of that yeah no so I started off with very small amounts investing don't get me wrong I did not um, leave my debt I made sure I prioritized paying that off but I put small amounts into investing to learn how to do it and then as I was paying off debt I was putting more and more into my investment accounts same with savings you need to have some savings set aside because if you have an emergency you're going to have to sell your investments in order to be able to get that money out so actually you do need to have some kind of emergency fund or some kind of slush fund sat there um, ready and waiting in case you need it yeah definitely um 
and like you said, yeah, it makes no sense paying off all your debt. Let's say you got a two hundred fifty grand mortgage. You know that is yep. debt, essentially, yep. isn't it? Um, but to me, it's good debt. Well, it depends if it's on your own house or something. It's good debt and bad debt. I think you know credit cards. If you're if you're spending it, you know, silly, got all this debt, yep. you're paying it off. Probably not the best use of your time. But if you use that credit card, let's say, to then refurbish your property get some air miles or some points back off it, some reward points, then get a mortgage and refinance your property and then pay it off using that money. Mm. It's good that, isn't it? Because you've used it yeah. to increase your your wealth, return on investment, et cetera. Yeah. But um, debt, it depends what debt it is really, doesn't it? There's good debt, there's bad debt. It's leveraging the credit lines and, and the funds available to you, I guess. Um, yeah. You touch on investing. It's something I read. Tony, what well, I listened to, I don't read books because I lose concentration too quick. So I have Audible, and I yeah. try to listen to one or two books a month. And have you come across Tony Robbins' Unshakable before? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, brilliant yeah. book. Yeah. So that one um, changed my mindset. So I actually set up a junior ISA through Hargreaves Landown, Lansdowne for my daughter. Cool. Um, and as soon as I listened to that, I thought, idiot! Why didn't I do it through Vanguard? Um, because they talk, <laughs> they talk about a lot about Vanguard, and I don't have a big portfolio in there. I just do the the FTSE All Share because um, it changed my mindset on using a fund manager versus you know putting it into either the FTSE or, or the S and P. There's a lot of people out there. Warren Buffett talks about index funds, how mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. compounding over time. Lewis Morgan, one of the ex, what the ex owner of Gymshark, talks about S and P 500 investing in mm-hmm. that. It's definitely if, if someone is thinking about investment, go and listen to Tony Robbins' Unshakable. I'd definitely say it's a yeah. it, it opens your mind to things like that. Um, oh, definitely. It's it's a good and what I really liked in that book was his um, explanation of risk. So I really like the fact that he talks about how every every um, market goes through a cycle. So you'll yeah. have your your bull run and then you'll have a correction. And that correction might last for a little bit of time or it might turn into a bull run, which is basically what's happening at the moment, isn't it? Across across all yeah. of the different um, indices across the world. So that that's really key because anybody that's scared of investing because they think they're going to lose money. Yeah. Okay. If you put money into one company and you hope it's going to do well because somebody online told you it's going to do well, then you might lose your money when it all goes wrong. But index investing is completely different. You're putting a little bit of money into a lot of different things. It's hedging your bets. It's like putting something on all of the the squares on the blackjack table. You know, it's it's literally putting money in everything. So everything does well, and some things might not do so well. Some things might do better, and it all balances itself out over time. So exactly. Yeah. And what I like about it is like let's say the FTSE all share 100. Say number 100 drops out the table another company then goes in at 100. Exactly. You know, so you've always got the top 100 companies or, you know, X amount of companies, whatever indices or index you decide to invest in. Um, yeah. And it's proven, if you, if you listen to that story, it is proven that, you know, over time, index funds perform year on year, on average over a 30-year, 20-year term, whatever it is, I can't remember, yes. better than managed funds. Um, yeah. You know, one of the, the interesting things was, when there is the correction and all the massive dip, everyone sells because they panic. That's best time to buy in these yeah. sort of index funds. So, yeah. you know, COVID hit, it was a bit later. We had the second lockdown, it dropped the foot bank, a few hundred quid in that, you know, because you get higher return when it sort of corrects and, and it sort of goes back to its normal That's level. Absolutely, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, people don't run away from sales of shoes or clothes or whatever, do they? 
as soon no. as a stock market crash happens, it's like, oh my God, run away. Well, no, the only the only time you will ever have to worry about the stock market completely going to zero is if we're in like the middle of a zombie apocalypse or we've been hit by an asteroid or something. Like yeah. it's not going to happen like that. Exactly. So I guess a tip or a bit of advice is if someone's looking at a, a hands-free, a bit of a passive, low-risk, um, long-term strategy, index funds maybe. Um, that's something I'm looking mm-hmm. at over the long term. And yep. one of the biggest eye-openers for me, um, I don't know if you've ever done it, just went on a compound interest calculator and worked out if I invest a yep. grand a month, <laughs> obviously that's quite a lot of money, I don't invest, invest a grand a month, for 30 years, how much compound interest will I make at 8%? do it it's remarkable how much uh, you can actually yeah. earn back it's fantastic oh it's cool. it's it's so good and when you start playing around with all these calculators so i do this with some of my clients and and i show them look if you were to put what you're putting in debt right now into investing you'd be debt free in 15 years or whatever you know it's uh, not debt for, sorry you'd be financially free in 15 years so once you've you've got your debt paid it would take you 15 years to build up the pot of money that you need for your retirement and it's yeah, it's well worth playing around with the numbers because it's it's so inspiring when you can actually see that it's doable. It's definitely doable, and I think achievable is is one of the words. And you know, like you say, you one of the personality types people, the ones that bury their head in the sand. Um, yeah. You know, people do that, but there are ways you can consolidate that, reduce your payments. You know, there is yes. help out there. Um, there is help out there for people. So I guess that's one important thing. I think the first step is, you know please correct me if I'm wrong, you're the expert, is looking at your current debt, consolidating, mm-hmm. reducing payments, you know, balance transfers to 0%, all these sort of things to yep. reduce your, say, debt ratio um, or, or your debt mm-hmm. payments on a monthly basis, then, then work from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's all sorts of clever ways now that you can do that. And, you know, I would say that if someone's really struggling to to make all of their minimum payments and it's really affecting their mental health, then I would I would say go and speak to a debt charity like Step Change for sure. Um, but for the majority of us, we can manage these things and we can st- still afford to you know buy groceries and we can still afford to light our house and and that kind of stuff. So if that's the case, it's just a case of learning a couple of strategies. So I, I used a couple of different strategies to pay off my debt. I started with debt snowballing. And then after that, I went on to consolidation. And then after that, I had I was um, gifted a lump sum of money from my dad after he died, which accelerated my debt freedom date by 18 months. Um, I didn't use all of that money. I used some of it. And then the rest of it I used for other projects that were going on. But, you know, other people might have taken that money and perhaps invested in property. I chose not to. I chose to be debt free because my mental health needed it. I needed to be completely free of my debt. But everyone will be different. So there are clever things you can do, even with like remortgaging your house and putting your debt onto that and becoming yeah. debt free. But you have to be really careful that you don't then accumulate the debt again. Once it's gone, it's gone. And that is it. And you, you focus on building wealth after that. Yeah. What's that snowballing? So this is something that um, I believe it's Dave Ramsey, if you've ever heard of him. He's a big um, money person, money guru type person in America. And he talked about the psychology behind paying off debt. Now, the traditional method of paying off debt is you pick out the debts that have got the highest interest rate and you pay those ones off first. The issue that I have found is that if that happens to be your largest debt, that's going to be the most depressing one to have to pay off first. So what Dave Ramsey came up with is that you, you still pay your minimums on all of your debts. 
but you line them up in order of smallest to biggest. So you put your smallest debt first, you, you get that shifted. The money that you were using to shift that quicker and the minimum to pay that smaller debt yeah. goes on to the next smallest debt. You shift that one, then it goes on to the next smallest debt. And so as you're going up, your payments are snowballing and people have been able to pay off their mortgages faster and stuff like that as well. Not that you necessarily have to. I mean, it's quite handy to have a mortgage because you can then use your money for other things like investing, putting money into property. But it's a it's a, a psychologically driven way of paying off debt. It doesn't necessarily give you the best way of doing it. So you're not going to save on interest by doing that way but it helps people to focus on it. It certainly helped me to focus on it and it helps my clients to focus on it that way. I've never heard of that. And it's a very interesting way because like you say, you're bulking, let's say you get to the third tier of debt, third line of debt, you've got number one, two and three. So like you say, yes. your your payments are, payments are essentially compounding yep. as you go through. So yeah, I Absolutely. can see the psychological benefits on why that works. Um, yeah. Brilliant. So what is your what are your plans going forward you know what does the next 12 months look like for you so what i'm working on now is my um profile so obviously i've got the channel 4 thing that's coming out and you know i i want to work more with brands i want to do more more stuff like this because that's the only way that i'm going to get out to lots and lots of people to be able to help them with their finances so yeah, that's what the next 12 months looks like. I'd, I've set myself a goal to be able to leave my my GP work by the end of this year. And I don't know, we'll have to see. We'll see if it happens or not, but it would be nice if it did. Yeah, well, you know, I wish you all the best and I'm, I'm sure you can make it happen, no doubt. Um, <laughs> you know, so if there's anyone listening and you want to pay for some courses or you want to do some mentorship and training, you know, yeah. get in touch, help Dr. Nikki uh, leave the NHS. <laughs> <laughs> It's like one of them, um, like, you know, them adverts, help help Dr. Nicky. Um, no, brilliant. But I love what you're doing. I think it's great. And um, money is one of the things that, you know, can lead to, to a lot of, well, to yeah. people, well, can lead people into dark places. And I think there's a taboo about talking about money. Um, you know, everyone in the UK, you know, don't talk about money, don't talk about yeah. salaries, don't talk about what you earn, what you spend, you know, and when I went into the property space, I probably had that mindset, but then everyone talks about money, how much, and it's not an ego thing or a gloating thing. I think it's more of a, this is what you can do. This is what you can achieve. Yeah. Um, Rob Moore talks about it. He is from progressive. He has a podcast called money. He's written books on, yes. on money. I've listened to them a few times. Um, and I think listening to all of these things, obviously uh, watching your program, listening to your YouTube channels, even them little things can start playing on people's minds and make them look at things differently yeah. and address their current situation. Um, so I say, I'll take my hat off to you and it's, it's fantastic what you're doing. So Thank you. where can people find you? How can people find you, your social medias? So, uh, yeah, well, the main, my website is thefemalemoneydoctor.com. Um, and if you want to find me, I'm on all the socials. So female money doc, uh, female money doctor, I think it, I couldn't quite get all the handles for some bizarre reason, but female money doc is pretty much everywhere. And I'm on TikTok as well. So if you're on there, come find me on there. I'll, I'll get on there. Yeah. I'm actually trying to uh, do something similar, boost my brand, but um, I'm not okay with it yet. Do you know how people do all these fancy videos? I'm only just about learning little, little clips and putting a few different uh, videos together. Do, but... Yeah. Do you know what? I don't do anything fancy. It's literally me doing a lot, lot of talking half the time. Occasionally, I might do some lip syncing. Um, I don't dance. I'm not doing the dancing. It's not happening. But um, yeah, so it's just fun. And 
you you start to build up a little community on there as well so yeah it's it's good definitely and you're giving people value so even if one person yeah. sees that and it changes their life i think you know yeah it's always fantastic so thanks for your time today it's, you know I, I love talking about you know things money mindset business and um <laughs> yeah. it's really interesting what you're doing it's good to have uh, you on talking about money like i say the, the taboo subjects but yeah. um i'm definitely going to do that quiz and find out uh what money personality type i am so <laughs> yeah. i'll cool. let you know as well i'll let you know what i am yeah definitely um, i'll put the link in the show notes and with regards to all the other resources um you know links to your website links to the uh giveaways if you send them over i'll put them in the show notes as well and you know people might reach out people might jump onto your content um fingers crossed they yeah. do yeah, there's ton there's tons of free stuff on there. I mean, yeah, I've got little bundles for everything like saving and paying off debt and investing. So there's there's loads of information on there for whatever you need. Oh, amazing. We'll definitely keep in touch. Thanks. And you too. Thanks for listening to a whole load of property, business, and mindset. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you like the podcast, please share it to others. In the meantime, to connect with Dan, follow him on Instagram at dancooper1992. Until next time.